you are listening to Herbs' Video Vault on Anchor.fm. Welcome to another edition of the Video Vault. We've got a really, really special one this time around because taking a look at not one, not two, but all three of the Star Wars prequels, a lot these do cop um, a lot of flack from the um, hardcore elitists, but uh, we'll get into that but i have joining me on this edition of the video vault you might recognize this guy from gray wolf wrestling check out a couple of latest episodes at the minute including his exclusive interview with indy hartwell and the latest episode of reliving the war which is the incredible monday night wars between wcw and the wwf back in the 90s to 2001 that is wcw spring stampede 1997 the trim guy amin azur welcome to the vault brother oh thanks so much for having me jay it's a real pleasure to be on the vault and it's good to see the vault back in action absolutely loved uh the first episode back of season two i think we'll call it season two because that seems a fitting way to do it but man absolute pleasure to uh be on the vault dude and you're dead set right we've got three what i think are underrated but at the same time how do we put it they're scapegoat movies don't you reckon yeah, that's probably the best way to put them as, yeah, being the scapegoats of the uh, entire franchise, really. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on there. But yeah, obviously, we are talking about Star Wars. Now, this is something that just saying Star Wars will probably get us a lot of hate. Be like, oh, you, you called it Star Wars. You meant to call it the Star Wars saga. It's like, come on, guys. Like, can't we just enjoy everything for what it is? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it's just, it's basically one big sort of, I guess I'll use the analogy of a book. We've got, yeah, you know, all the way through from The Phantom Menace is the opening chapter to The Rise of Skywalker as the final chapter of the saga. It is just a beautifully done sort of um, piece of entertainment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on there, Jay. But look, before we get into the prequels, man, I just, I, I think we, the best way to do to kick off this episode is to sort of see where we're all at with star wars fandom because like uh like i don't know about you but i i jumped in in about 1997 remember when they re-released the special editions and it actually came back to cinemas yeah i do remember that i actually have the uh tapes of those <laughs> as well uh, surprise surprise and <laughs> yeah i do remember that quite fondly I know I reckon that was probably like for a lot of people, especially our vintage, because, you know, we weren't born in the 70s. We weren't there for the original in 1977. So for a lot of us, that was probably something that was pretty cool and pretty unique when it did come onto the scene. Yeah, I've got to actually, I've got to completely agree with you on that, man, especially just going and seeing these movies for the first time in the cinema itself is just an absolute experience. Like, 
I can get so envious of, you know, the ones that saw the, you know, A New Hope back in 77. You hear that fanfare and everything just going on. It's just a momentous occasion in itself. And here we are some, you know, oh, 40, 40, 40 50 odd years, years later. Yeah. yeah. Look, math, maths is now strong suit here. We're not here to talk maths. We're, this, it's not the maths vault. This is the video vault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely right. I mean, I got into Star Wars. It was, I think it was about 1988. Um, I think, I wish Ned was here on this. He could have clarified mm -hmm. this because I think it was around at his place one New Year's Eve. And, you know, the original one was on TV and, yeah, we sat down watching that and that pretty much hooked me right then and there. It's funny that you mentioned things like, you know, the, the old TV movies, because that's something that's a bit of a dying art at the moment, because a lot of people, especially of our vintage, sort of got into movies from when it was on, you know, the telly. And yeah. like, for example, for me, and this would be a great video vault, maybe uh, somewhere down the track, but the Die Hard series, I first saw that on like Channel 7, Lord knows when, but, and that was the first time I ever saw it. And that sort of hooked me into that sort of storyline and that sort of universe. And it's pretty cool, like, because you don't often, you're not going to be hearing that too much longer in the age of streaming and Netflix and uh, all these catch up services where people will discover stuff because they saw it on TV. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. And I think that's the sort of thing as well. Like, when like you're a young kid, you don't really get to go to the cinema that much. So you do experience some of these movies for the first time on TV. And like when, especially because Star Wars have always been known to do midnight premieres. They didn't for the rise of Skywalker here in, in Horsham anyway, but you go to something like that and it's just an experience in itself. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, while, while the, the rate of technology and that, you know, society has really evolved so much, that's some things that I do miss, like the midnight screenings and, you know, movie marathons that they used to have at the cinemas back in the day. And I, I still remember um, the, the Revenge of the Sith premiere back in 05 when people were there, like you could count people that were dressed as Darth Vader or they had their stormtrooper uniforms on and things like that. Just going to the movies, it was quite an event. Yeah, it is. And like with the age of streaming, that's something we're going to see less and less of, especially like with all the COVID stuff in the minute where mm. we've even got like MCU stuff just going straight to Disney Plus for I think it's like an extra 30 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit of a shame that. But man, let, let's get into the, uh, let's talk about the, the prequels because like so 99 is when phantom menace first came out yep that is correct i remember me ned and uh, his cousin maddie deckett we went and saw this at the cinema not at the midnight premiere um i think it was like a saturday or something but even then like just the hype around it like this is the big where it all began like this is how we see anakin and he becomes you know darth vader at the end and just yeah just the excitement looking forward to it and you just feel like that little kid again just like oh my god this is so exciting i can't believe this see i reckon that's one of the reasons why phantom menace gets so much hate because you know you'd probably know this too like there is um there's a phantom edit which is uh 
basically a fan constructed sort of edit of the phantom menace where you know it's how it's supposed to be but this is the reason why i reckon so many people hate it because let's see phantom menace came out what in 1999 yeah. jedi came out in 83 so you've got more than 10 years where people have been crafting in their mind like you know oh this is what episode one's meant to be like it's oh you know and they've made their own narrative and like you know my backstory to how Anakin turned from Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader could be very different from yours, but we're not the ones, we're not George Lucas. We're not the ones with the vision. So I'm guessing a lot of people when they walked into a cinema to see Phantom Menace and the first thing they read in the crawl is trade tariffs and all this BS. They were probably just like, hang on, this isn't what I had in my head. Yeah. I think that's sort of like the big thing. Like everyone goes in with these, um, sort of ideals of what they're expecting and it's just complete and utter disappointment when they don't get what they want and yeah. that's when you see like all the tirades and everything like if twitter existed back then oh mate it'd, it'd be savage, be, it'd be savage like, <laughs> that's not hashtag not my star wars and all this other stuff <laughs> and the thing is like they do forget, like, yes, it's basically become like a cult-like religion, the whole Star Wars fandom, but it is just, we've got to remember, they're movies. It's just entertainment. Yeah. you got to have a good time. And I do know the big thing that annoys the hell out of a lot of people, I don't really care because I know this character is not aimed for my generation. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, Jar Jar, man, boy, did Jar Jar cop a lot of the heat back then. And look, it it was just a, a lighthearted character. I mean, they were probably these are probably the same people to an extent that also bashed the Ewoks uh, for Jedi as well. Like, there's a whole heap of of characters in the Star Wars universe, and it's and it's a galaxy far, far away. There could mm. be an entire. There is a planet full of them for crying out loud. So I I I, I see the hate that people went for Jar Jar, I think that they went a little bit overboard because it's not like he was a, yeah, it's not like he was a major part of the um, of the story. I'm interested to get your thoughts on this one though. One thing that I did get a little bit like, I don't really like that one. What did you think of a young Anakin Skywalker building C-3PO? Uh, it took me a little bit by surprise actually, like how C-3PO was... Uh, made like I was sort of expecting like you know he's been, you know been built in this you know factory where like they made all the battle droids and everything like that yeah and, yeah yeah you know he was just sort of like you know you run of the mill sort of thing you go down to a local dealer and get the if you scrap the cash you yeah. get the base model and that's what I thought but Anakin making 3PO yeah a little bit of a stretch but um but it's nothing that you'd, you know, jump on a forum and start rage posting at. No, no, definitely not. And I do, I try to keep all these as positive as possible. There are a couple little things that sort of make it not age very well, especially if you're watching it on VHS or on the mm -hmm. original DVD release. And that is some of the CGI. Now, a lot yeah. of the CGI in this movie is incredible. Like, there's no way they could have done that back in, you know, late 70s. 77, yeah. Not a chance. But Yoda. The original 
CGI model of Yoda, it just didn't look right at all. Well, well, that original, that's actually the original, like the puppet Yoda, the one that was used in uh, Empire and Jedi. Now, obviously, Empire, like, that's the reason it looks so haggard, because it is the, the same Muppet that he's used in Empire and in uh, Return of the Jedi. Actually, they dug it out of a cupboard somewhere and used it. Thankfully, in, like, the re-releases, so, like, in this little bad boy that's sitting behind me, um, and subsequent sort of DVD releases, they have added in the CGI, a, new, a brand new CGI Yoda, but you're right. Th that original Yoda, the original puppet, it needed at least an update. I get it. They probably did it because like, oh, look, how cool is it that the original puppet that we used in the original trilogy is back in the prequel, but it, it, if it's spent 30 years in the back of someone's ute, get a new one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not going to look the best. <laughs> like uh, trying to make a new Jaws movie today using the shark from 1975. It's, yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. But man, what about what did you think about the little things? The, the two other big things that sort of jumped off of the page at me was Ewan McGregor as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like a young Padawan, and Qui-Gon Jinn. I th personally, I think they were both perfectly cast for that, especially you've got, um, yeah, Ewan McGregor as the young Obi-Wan. He's still, you know, learning everything. And you've got, you know, Liam Neeson, the hardened veteran as Qui-Gon, just trying to impose all this knowledge and can be a little bit rebellious in wanting to try and wanting to take Anakin on as another apprentice. But they, yeah, that was a casting choice that I think they got really, really perfect. You couldn't get anyone better than those two for those roles. Yeah, they nailed it out of the park with that one. And I remember sort of seeing, like, you and McGregor, when you saw what Alec Guinness looked like as Obi-Wan in the original trilogy, you can sort of see if you somehow made your mind work you, and you picture, well, what would, what would Obi-Wan look like if he was a younger, fresher cat? And they nailed it with you and McGregor. Like, he got the mannerisms down so good too his cadence, everything about him was just so spot on. And that's a real testament to you, McGregor, I thought. And you're right about Qui-Gon Jinn. I mean, getting Liam Neeson to be a Jedi Master is one of the cool, like, it sounds like something that you'd put in some fan fiction, but man, did it work. It did. It worked really well. The same as, like, who would have thought Samuel L. Jackson would have been in, in <laughs> any of the Star Wars movies? But again, that's, uh, that was another well done. Uh, Mace Windu, severely underrated character. Very, very underrated. Um, so what some of the um, sequences throughout the movie that sort of really grabbed you pretty much the first time you saw them? So the first ones that really sort of stood out to me were when you see Anakin, like the tiny boy Anakin, back in Tatooine, in the desert in like with his mother and stuff like that because it harks you back to the original it takes you back to where you first met luke skywalker and all of those little things and it sort of i thought it really like put a real nice nice sort of thread it threaded the movies together a little bit like between the, the prequels and the originals because you you were kind of taken back that was a familiar place that was a very familiar place and I thought that they did that really, really good. And you sort of see that, yes, he was but a little, you know, poverty-stricken slave boy that then became, you know, Darth Vader, which is an incredible uh, narrative. 
Yeah, very much so. And it also uh, plants the seeds to, um, you know, his eventual becoming of Darth Vader, like having this um, rough sort of um, upbringing, like, you know, being a slave, being going mm. through all these hard times and just you, you sort of connect a little bit more with Vader as he is, as we know him anyway, from the originals, like he's gone through all this trauma, all this sort of anguish and hardship that's made him into what he is. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And like you also see more important, something else that sort of um, sows the seeds just a little bit, you know, the love and the relationship that he has with his mother, because that is something that uh, when, sorry, spoil alert, when his mother does get killed, you can sort of see that this is, Anakin Skywalker has so much good in him, the trigger that turns him over to the dark side is the loss of a loved one or the thought yeah. of a loss of a loved one. And also in the same time too, that's the thing that brings him back because it's an empire, sorry, not an empire, in Jedi, when Palpatine's there about to kill his son, that's when it sort of kicks in again and he's like, no, I can't let this happen. So all in all, like for a saga about Anakin Skywalker, like we see, and one of the things that uh, are the main sort of telling points of the Star Wars saga is family, love, and, uh, you know, good versus evil and how it's not quite black and white. Yeah, exactly. There's like so many different shades of gray in there. All, you know, everything's from a certain point of view mm. as we, you know, Alleginna says in um, in Empire, when you know obviously Luke finds out that Leia is his sister, it's like everything I told you was true from a certain point of view. So Correct. we sort of get that sort of little tie in there as well. And you did say like it's interweaves everything together really well, which is you know what a movie franchise should do. Like each movie interweaves to what's coming next yeah the next one yeah and yeah. and another cool thing too is like we we also sort of see that as the so when we start off with the phantom menace where we're told there's good evil jedi sith if you there's no middle ground in between at all but as it sort of goes through and you see characters like Django Fett come in there, General Grievous, all of these guys introduced, you sort of see that it's not quite as clear cut as you're either with the Jedis or you're with the Sith, because in, in the case of Django Fett, like he's, he's a bounty hunter, yes, but he's not a bad guy. He's only made to be a bad guy in certain circumstances. And we'll get to it when we talk about uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, but when you see the clone troopers, they're originally good guys until we get to order 66, then they become bad guys. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's exactly it. There is no, yeah, there is no black and white. There is that huge mm. middle ground. And we see characters swap back and forth, as you said, you know, the stormtroopers start out, you know, as good guys helping the empire, helping not the empire, helping the Jedi and the Republic. And then yeah. order 66 and, flip the script and everything it's like that. literally literally like you said it's the script bam and it's straight they're evil all of a sudden which is pretty cool but other things that sort of stood out and we you can't mention the phantom menace without talking about this but this is something that everyone agreed with the pod race yes exactly one of the best 
sequences in the whole movie so good in fact they made a game out of it so yeah yeah there's a you know some good marketing there but that just the way that was done is just inc incredible like it's fast paced you grip to the edge of your seat you, you know you've got this feeling inside you know this is going to be the time he's going to get there and yeah and win the thing but there are little moments of doubt where you think oh no hang on he may you know he this it may not happen yeah yeah and and it's it's just such a cool visual and it's something that we haven't seen yet in a star wars film or since like a high mm -hmm. speed sort of high risk um chase sort of see because we we see stuff like that in all these movies from that era like you know obviously there's an entire franchise built on the fast and furious over things like that but stuff where it's literally like you know split second sort of make a mistake and you're dead kind of thing like that is very cool and we haven't seen it since in the star wars universe no you're absolutely right there we haven't seen yeah anything like that since um another really good one is the what's i think the the it's basically been coined the jewel of fates, which sort of also can be a bit of a starting trigger point for when Anakin turns to the dark side as well, I think. Mm -hmm. um, for those that aren't sure what it is I'm talking about, it is the lightsaber duel between Darth Maul against Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn. This thing is almost i say almost the ultimate of lightsaber jewels i'll get into the one i think is a little bit later on but how fantastic was that done this first off the set piece the the set that they're actually doing it in the in the ship awesome because the visuals take you back to inside the death star sort of thing like like from jedi and and all of the original trilogy that part is really cool the intensity and this is the thing that I also love too. In the another undercurrent of the Star Wars films, which I, not a lot of people sort of um, bring up too much, is just how powerful the Sith is. Like we see, even in the most recent films, Vader gets gets the job done on his own. At the end of Jedi, who's in who's in the Tie Fighter going out there? He's not barking orders like a Bond boss or like a hen or sending out henchmen, Vader gets in that TIE fighter and he starts, you know, taking taking care of business. Yeah. Darth Maul, Darth Maul being able to handle a Jedi Master and Obi-Wan with the dual with the uh the dual lightsaber as well, it is so well done. And it that's that's one thing that I will say I think is a valid criticism of Phantom Menace. We needed more Darth Maul. Darth Maul needs needed a little bit more of a fleshed out story in this, especially if we're going to put him on par with Darth, uh, Darth um, Vader or Darth Sidious. Yeah, completely agree with you on that. And I do think that if you've seen like the, is it the Star Wars Rebels or um, Clone Wars, like you get that little bit more of a backstory, but it would have been good to have yeah, a lot more of that in the movie have him sort of fleshed out a little bit more instead of you know darth sidious's puppet yeah yeah exactly and we see it a little bit later on with uh with count dooku like we get to know him a little bit more like we he's not just there for you know bits and pieces and like we actually know his character same with general grievous we we learn all these little things about all these other quote-unquote enemies but with darth maul it's almost just like oh that's darth maul 
You should yeah, know he, that by he's, he's a six. Like, yeah. Yeah, got to definitely agree with you on that. So there's yeah, a couple little nitpicks, but you know, still. But you know, yeah. But all in all, I I thought it was a pretty good movie. When I left the cinema, I I you know I I wasn't ready to go to everyone. And go, oh man, that was a waste of time. I was pretty pumped. Yeah, definitely. Same as you. Like I just like I got out. It's like I want to see that again. Mm. I think that's pretty. I, much, yeah, that's pretty I, much I, 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 movie, but yeah, we 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 sort of touched on it. Um, that. Also, it's it's been more than a decade since the last Star Wars movie, so this was mega hype. Like, if you weren't around in 1999, I know that there's a lot of hype for things like Avengers Endgame uh, when it came out and things like that. But there was this was insane. Everything was Star Wars. Buses had Star Wars on the side of it. You know, you uh, Slurpees had Star Wars on it. Anything you can think of that you could slap a Star Wars logo on, magazines, books posters these things you could go into a kmart and half of an aisle in fact all of an aisle would just be star wars stuff that's how massive it was yeah exactly like it was everywhere even you know soda bottles and cans and just you know everything shirts hats whatever everything that could plant star wars on games consoles whatever it, it was on there which was kind of cool because, uh, you know, I'd love it if we were able to get back to a time like that. But, hey, as you said, things have changed a little bit. But, yeah, look, I'm not going to say that The Phantom Menace is uh, in a series that has, got not, that has got nine movies in it. I can't say that it's, it's you know, in the top five or anything, but it's certainly not the worst thing that uh, the Star Wars franchise has put out. No, definitely not. Got to agree with you on that. So let's go along to Attack of the Clones. Um, now, that's where that's where my opinion changes a little bit because I <laughs> detest this film. I cannot stand Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, to be quite honest, Jay, this is Attack of the Clones is one of the only DVDs I've ever fast forwarded. <laughs> yeah, I look, I can um, I can agree with you on that because there is a lot in this movie that is very very forgetful, like. Mm. Uh, you know, Revenge of the Sith, heaps of stuff that stands out in that. Phantom Menace is a lot of great stuff that stands out stands out in that, like the you know, Duel of Fates, the pod racing, you know, getting to meet Anakin. This one is just sort of there. There's there's more stuff in Attack of the Clones that I can think that I don't like. Like it starts off really great, like the like inner city chases and stuff like that. Just how they've sort of set up the universe is really, really cool. I thought that Hayden Christensen, he does, he gets a lot more hate than I think he deserves as a sort of rebellious young Anakin. Yeah. Sorry, younger Anakin, like a teenage angsty Anakin, but like that all doesn't deserve the hate, but little things like the scenes. Now Hayden Christensen, he gets a lot of hate for he does. his portrayal of, of, of Anakin Skywalker, but I think he, he nailed it pretty well. Like I can't picture if in my mind, if I close my eyes, I see Anakin Skywalker as Hayden Christensen. And I'm glad that he's going to be reprising his role as Anakin in like the EU that's coming out uh, a little bit later on. But for crying out loud, the scenes with him and Padme are just so mind numbing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, they're definitely sort of the ones you just want to skip because they, even though they do sort of lead a little bit into the later narrative of, 
like you know how we end up how they end up with Luke and Leia. But yeah, just yeah, there's just a lot of stuff in there that can be just fast forwarded as you say. And also, yeah, Anakin does um, not Anakin. Hayden Christensen does get a lot of flack for his betrayal of Anakin in this movie. But you got to remember. And actors is only as good as the script and what their director tells them to do. Yeah, so correct. If George Lucas has said to him, you know, this is what I want you to do, it's like even if it is campy in that look, the amount of money you're getting paid, you're not going to say no. Nah, I I don't think that'll work. You'll just go, all right, I'll hire somebody else. And and you're not gonna t- you're not gonna tell George Lucas, the guy who built this franchise, how to do his job. I know a lot of people on the internet think that they can, but you just just not one of those things that you can do. No, definitely. And one one cool thing I, I will like uh, mention though about Attack of the Clones because that was filmed in Sydney, like at Fox Studios. Uh, that's kind of cool how like it's got that Australian feel to it. You see a couple of Aussie actors in there as well. But one cool thing that I absolutely loved about Attack of the Clones is it really set up what the Republic was like. Like it's it seemed like such a cool. It's I don't know, what, but it, it painted the picture. It almost put that era of the Republic because we're used to seeing it in the entire Star Wars franchise, in the original trilogy, it's fallen. It's the empire controls everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was once great, once ever, but like we see the, we see the Republic and attack of the clones, a bustling metropolis. It almost looks a little bit blade runnery. Like it's very cool. It's very futuristic. And I thought that part's pretty cool, especially when you see, because we never, we've never seen the Republic like that in the Star Wars franchise yet. No, we haven't. We've only just sort of heard like what the Republic was like, and to actually see that as like this bustling metropolis, it is a you know with really, bars really, and things like that. Yeah, it is a really really uh, cool thing, and like we get the introduction of, I guess, what a character that's sort of become a bit of a cult sort of favorite of the Star Wars franchise, and that is Boba Fett. But we see him as the uh, son of Jango Fett, the bounty hunter. And it's mm-hmm. a really cool way to sort of introduce what becomes the probably most beloved character of the entire franchise, mate, besides maybe Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If Han Solo and uh, Boba Fett, I mean, like, well, well, let's put it this way. No one's out there with... Like, like really, really uh, championing Lando Calrissian or doing cosplays as C-3PO. Everyone wants to be Boba Fett. Everyone wants to be Han Solo. Like, and we just got to see the success of the Mandalorian just to see how much, um, how much mileage you get from um, not just pretty much the Boba Fett spin-offs. Like, but one cool thing, as you mentioned there, Jay, like. This was a really cool little nod to the people that were there from the start of the original. When you sort of see the introduction of Django Fett, you cut, hang on, Django Fett, where's this going? And then you find out, oh, this is Boba Fett's father and the little backstory there. I thought that was a pretty cool little introduction. Yeah, that was a really cool introduction. And just sort of like the way that the um, the stormtroopers actually came about, they weren't just sort of mindless, faceless um, you know, soldiers that followed orders, like, you know, you got the, their origin, like their clones, they, you know, free forming, mm. they're, they're thinking, yes, they follow commands, but, you know, they still, 
I don't know. What's uh, just trying to think? What's the word I'm looking? They're still well. They're not. They're not the just like because when you when you see the stormtroopers in in um pretty much the entire trilogy in in the entire original trilogy, they're they're basically foot soldiers like they're cannon fodder that's what they yeah. are whereas here they're actually portrayed as you know actual soldiers of fortune kind of thing yeah exactly that's the yeah definitely the best way to put it they're just basically like the foot soldiers mm-hmm. cannon fodder but i do want to get into like one of the probably better sequences is when uh anakin Padme and Obi-Wan are about to be sort of executed and there's this massive, massive showdown with the Jedi and the uh, droid army. I thought that was really well done. And then, you know, here come the clone troopers in action and then, you know, the introduction of Count Dooku is just absolutely phenomenal. Christopher Lee did a perfect job. Like, you couldn't put anyone, get anyone better as Dooku. And that leads us to something else which blew everyone's mind, at least back in 2002. Now, I remember going back to school, uh, and this is 2002, so I'm in year 12, and people were just losing their mind over Yoda versus Count Dooku because we had never seen Yoda, like every time we've seen Yoda beforehand. In Phantom Menace, we see him like as that frail guy at the head of the Jedi Council. Yeah. When I say frail, I mean it's because the puppet was the original one from the movies they since rectified that in the later in the later revisions like the dvd one and the special editions and all that when we when we're introduced to him in empire he's you know in hiding in jedi he's on his last legs so when we actually see peak yoda and then take it to a guy like dooku and basically bounce off the wall like an energizer bunny having a lightsaber fight this is something that i think everyone loves so much is because in our minds, when we were, t- I, t- I mentioned how in Phantom Menace, we all had in our brains an idea of what what the saga would look like. I think yeah. we all in our minds had had this thought of like, oh, well, if Yoda was going to ever throw down and wield a lightsaber, it'd look like this. And I think that's what we all pictured and that's what we all got. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that because I remember seeing that at the midnight premiere and just when that whole sequence started the the pop to use a wrestling term that the audience gave out was just phenomenal just like this is what they'd wanted to see the whole time is you know why is old yoda the ass kicker yeah yeah just taking it absolutely like demolishing the sith like he's talking about this do or do not there is no try there was no try here he absolutely went to town and you mentioned on the on the topic of that just that huge battle between the jedis and the droid army i mean like at this point in time we we've not, we haven't really seen the droids as you know evil yeah like, we've never really seen them as an as an imposing threat only just like from what briefly in the Phantom Menace, which was just hmm. more like the comic relief sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, especially some of the uh, the bigger, bulkier, Terminator-y looking ones, you could just hmm. tell like these are an absolute threat and menace. But but yeah, this was pretty cool. But look, all in all, I I I, I didn't leave Attack of the Clones with the same sort of uh, like euphoria i had when i left phantom menace maybe it was also because i was a little bit older too you know i was uh 
like that was 2002. So, you know, yeah. a lot, a lot changes between in four years, four, three years, give or three take. Years. Yeah. And um, so, so because of that, like, you go in with a bit less expectations, I guess, than you did with Phantom Menace because you sort of see how it's going to come along. But um, all in all, like, unfortunately, out of the nine films that did come out, I put Attack of the Clones well towards the back end of the pile. There are some great moments in it, but it doesn't stand out as one that I tell, you know, if, if there's a Star Wars fan out there that can put that as their number one movie, all power to them. But for me, I think there's just so much better out there. Yeah, we've seen it too. Yeah, definitely is like I'm the same as you. I'd put that more in the in the lower end of the spectrum as well. This is like any Star Wars fan that does sort of put that up the very top. It's like, oh, hey, you know, that's uh, your prerogative. Dig what you dig, but yeah, hell yeah. Like if you enjoyed it, then good on you, man. Like, uh, like maybe we're 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 probably you know different strokes to different folks, but yeah, for me. I just I, look. I wasn't disappointed, but I was just like, oh man, like okay, well, in a way, the way that I the way that I sort of let this one off the hook a bit is, it's the second movie in this in the second um, trilogy, so it's it's a bridge the gap kind of thing. It's got to fill in. It's got to put. It's got to wrap up some loose ends of the first one and lay some foundations for the next one. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't quite seem to find its identity like Menace or Sith does. Yeah, definitely got to agree with you on there. It's just sort of, yeah, lost in the middle, but it does wrap up loose ends and, yeah, lays down the foundation for what is going to happen in Revenge of the Sith, probably the one with the highest level of anticipation in all the prequels, really, and holy hell did it deliver. There is so much in this to take in as well, but we get the ultimate payoff to what we're building towards, Anakin's turn to Darth Vader. This is going to be a very controversial thing, and please don't leave any hate in the comments. We don't want it, but I like this film a lot more than Return of the Jedi. Oh, there's going to be I can tell you what I haven't even posted this yet, and already <laughs> I can hear the I can hear the elitist fanboys going, "How can you like this more than Jedi?" Blah 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 blah. But hear me out. This I absolutely love. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. I have seen countless amounts of times. So much so, I own the book for Revenge of the Sith. I've got a Vader. Um, basketball jersey when it came out um for revenge of the Sith. like this was just so this was the ultimate ultimate of the prequels this is what we were all built to and at the time now obviously since 2005 we've all learnt uh, a lot of lessons since then but this was billed as this will be the final star wars movie ever after this this is done this is the entire saga and then obviously we know that the the third trilogy came out and we'll touch that in a later edition, but man, I don't know where to start with Revenge of the Sith. Like, it's just, it it works out so good. And we talk about how Attack of the Clones had, a it started off behind the eight ball because it had to bridge a gap between these two. You want to talk about bridging a gap, this Revenge of the Sith had the hardest job of all, linking up to the original trilogy. Yeah, definitely. Like, there was a lot of expectations. This is the final chapter of the prequels. 
we've got a massive gap to link to a new hope and it delivered i mean that opening battle sequence is just absolutely amazing all the visual effects on that we see general grievous wielding you know four different lightsabers and just being menacing or a coughing wheezing menace but still that dark sadistic sort of undertone is throughout that whole movie and it is pretty much the perfect sort of way to accumulate anakin becoming vader the other part too, talking about General Grievous, there's that there's that scene where he, they sort of rip apart his armor a little bit, and you see like his beating heart and stuff like that. And that scene always stands out to me because it's just kind of like because it shows everyone in the Star Wars universe, no one except for maybe um, you know the Emperor, Darth Sidious probably is the most purest of evil there, but everyone has a slight bit of good in there, like yeah. Count Dooku has a slight bit of like the bit where he gets that just reminded me I mean, I'm, and i'm jumping i'm jumping all over the place here but when he gets executed by anakin like the cross lightsaber and the straight like that that is such a cool scene and that sort of shows like you know jedis don't kill in cold blood but Anakin Skywalker isn't like any other Jedi that we've ever seen before. Hence all the risks of getting him on board. You know, he was, the, he's the one that's meant to bring balance to the force. And I want, I want to pause and just focus on that line a little bit. He's the one that's meant to bring balance to the force. Okay. So, Cause that is a very big uh, part of the narrative in this film. Yeah. A very huge narrative. Well, actually pretty much throughout the entire franchise, really like, and yeah, Anakin being the one to bring the balance to the force is just, it just leaves it open to like, well, how does he obliterate both Sith and Jedi? And then there's just the one, the, mm -hmm. the, the central balance or what? Like they never really explain that. But just the look on Count Dooku's face before he is executed is just very, it's very remorseful. Yeah. As well as a, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. And it, it goes to show too just how, um, I don't want to say bloodthirsty, but how how much more darker the ways of the Sith are compared to the Jedi. Like there seems to be a lot more compassion uh, in, in the Jedi ranks because at that point in time, Dooku sort of realizes like, oh damn, my time's up here. And unfortunately with the Sith rule of two, you it, it only ends one way one of you dies and you get replaced by someone else yeah that's the uh that's pretty much the only absolute in yes. saga and you know we all know the sith deal in absolutes well there's no other absolute to that than that is there and it's so crazy too because like and the cool thing is about this movie is when the Jedi just realize how stuffed they are, just like we have let the Sith bubble and grow. Like we didn't even know about it until it was way too late. What the hell do we do? There is no hope. Hence the term, a new hope for, uh, for the, for the, for episode number four. But the, this is the thing I love about this movie is it is so dark. It is one of, it's not a feel good movie. This is not no. a feel good movie by any means, but you are, on the edge of your seat 
every step of the way because you're trying to think because in your mind this is one of the few movies where you go in with a spoiler you know darth vader is going to come back at the end of this film at, somehow in the credit before before the fisheye shuts um and we roll to credits we know that Darth Vader's coming back. We, we just need, we just don't know how he's coming back. Yeah, exactly. And like pretty much as you see in any sort of movie, like the, you know, what is it? The uh, fastest road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm, and yeah. that's sort of a little bit with what Anakin sort of does in a way. Like he's got these good intentions. Like he wants to, you know, save people from dying, which, and leads him down this, you know, dark, twisted demented path of like yeah he, he wants to he wants to do everything that's best for his wife and for his you know upcoming family yeah he does and it's like the only way to learn you know the power to save someone's life you know you can't learn that from a jedi and i think it was that sentence which pretty much i think for the whole audience would have cemented palpit that uh, that's who there's sidious there he is Another bit too is the 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 manipulation by Darth Sidious is just so good. Like the Emperor does so well here, especially and it's the the sort of mind control that he has on Anakin to the point where you know where he, there's the scene where Mace Windu confronts him, and yeah. Anakin has a choice, like do I help Mace Windu because Mace Windu's talking sense here or do I go with my friend, the Senator who is like this, like he, he needs to be put on trial. He needs to do this. And we see here Mace Windu like, no, no, this is too dangerous to be put through the dangerous channels. I have to kill him now, which is something that a Jedi would never say. That just shows you how dangerous that situation was. Yeah. You can, you can easily see that inner conflict just resonating on Anakin's face. It's like, Oh, what, what do I do? Do I do the right thing? Do that go with the Jedi way or, you know, Mace Windu, as you said, is talking absolute complete sense. He is too dangerous because he controls, because Palpatine controls everything. Mm. He is too much of a great threat. And yeah, you can just see that um, eternal struggle in Anakin's mind, even when he ignites his saber and, you know, lops off Windu's hand. You're just like, mm. what have I done? Like this mm. instant remorse, like, what, why did I do this? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. And from that moment onwards, we sort of see that the movie takes such a turn for the worse for the Jedi. I mean, we, we touched on it briefly when we we're talking about Attack of the Clones, but probably one of the most iconic lines in all Star Wars um, lore, execute order 66. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now, who hasn't said that to Siri or Alexa or Google? <laughs> now this also goes to show t too like the mere fact and it shows I, I mentioned how this is the this is the movie where the jedi find out that they've been caught off guard that the empire's been building because um the the senator knows at this point in time like this has been his plan all along he's always been palpatine he's like when when the clone the clones are actually made they are made by the Republic on behalf of the Republic yeah. with this order implemented in them somewhere along the line. So this is how deep 
this plan has gone along. So once that that switch is flicked, that's it. It just exterminates the Jedi. Yeah, it does. And that sort of not that sort of um, terrifying music that you sort of hear throughout that whole sequence. It just captures you just in shock and awe, like, oh, how could this how could this have happened? And as you said, like the seeds have been planted so deep that somewhere mm. there's like a control chip or something as soon as execute order 66 is said bang they flip the switch and it's just extinction basically for the jedi except for two of them and another thing too with the after that scene all of those kill like that's kills in cold blood like how bad are some these are just ambushes just attacks like it's it's soulless it's just straight kills yeah which it is, is just, so dark so dark for for a star wars movie which is essentially a family franchise <laughs> it is you got this family franchise in star wars <laughs> but then yet you've got this extremely dark twisted um sequence that happens even with the you know the slaughtering of the younglings yeah oh my god yeah who would have thought that would ever happen star wars kills kids yeah yeah it's madness but there's there's a scene and i can't remember which uh i don't know the name of uh the jedi but the female one you know the blue one uh with the oh yeah um uh someone in the comments can you someone let us know like look we're we're not that into star wars lord that we know you know the guy that lived next door to obi-wan in in cloud city okay we, we we're not that deep into it but yeah. to me like to me that is still one of the biggest scenes like when she turns around and just sees a bunch of clone troopers with their with their blasters pointed at her and she just has a face of um i'm just screwed yeah, and then did. then all you hear is the like that is yeah. such Oh, a horrendous scene it is it's it is probably it is without doubt the darkest scene in the entire franchise which and then leads us up to i made light to this earlier when we were talking about the jewel of fates what i consider to be the best lightsaber jewel it's all building up anakin versus obi-wan this thing is perfect yeah, I, I can't, I cannot fault you there. If you can find a better lightsaber duel uh, in the Star Wars trilogy, in the Star Wars all nine movies, I'd love to hear what it is. But in terms of story, in terms of the setting, and everything is just so cool in this one. And a little fun fact, but I don't know. I, I, look, this might be a fact that's negated now by the the three following films that came out uh, since. Um, the Force Awakens, but this is the only time we've ever seen in the Star Wars uh, universe two uh, two lightsabers of the same color going against each other. Yeah, I don't think that's ever been seen. It's either usually like blue against red or green against red, or yeah, purple. yeah. But this is the f- yeah, this is the first time that we're seeing two lightsabers of the same color go at it, go at each other uh, at the same time. But man, and you, you're right though, Herbs. Like this is one of the coolest fights too because I think there's just so much emotion behind it too. Yeah, there's a heap of emotion behind this. Uh, Ewan McGregor, 
says it best when he shouts out, you are my brother, Anakin. I loved you. Like yeah. that feeling of ultimate betrayal from someone that, you know, was a brother that you respected them so much. Mm. And to be put into a situation where you've had to do this is yeah. just... And, and it also just showed... Yeah, it, it also goes to show too as well, like one other thing that, that it shows is there's also still a level of arrogance with, um, with Anakin at the moment. Like he's not quite, like, the, like it's a, a bit of controversy there where it's just like, you know, remember in, early in the movie where, where um, Mace Windu says to him, and this really rubs Anakin up the wrong way. Just like, you know, we'll let you sit at the council, but we do not. Well, we don't um, grant you the title of master. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there is a reason. It's because of things like this. Not because he's, you know, about to turn to the dark side and embrace the Sith. But this is, pu it's purely because he still can't quite make those decisions. He makes, he makes snap judgments. He doesn't quite have that sort of level of Zen that a Jedi Master would. And we see that when he yells at Obi-Wan, you know, and he's just like, you know, you underestimate my power. And it's just like, dude, this is the guy that essentially almost took you under his ring and gave you everything that you need. And you're yelling at him like a spoiled two-year-old, like, come on. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. Just like the buildup. And I think also the re another reason why Mace Windu never granted the title of master as well, because he could sense like there was that anger inside Anakin stemming back from as you alluded to earlier when his mother was killed by the sand people mm. or the Tuscan Raiders from yeah, yeah. the comments where <laughs> we know we know they're the Tuscan Raiders but you watch the original they're referred to as sand people mm -hmm. um that that's the trigger moment that's where he starts to give in to his anger and just lets it take control yeah, he fully, fully embraces it. And the other really iconic scene is when he leads all of the clone troopers up to the Jedi temple. Like he's got the hood on and everything and he's just marching with the deadest look and this this look of evil on his face. Like it's just, it was such a gradual sort of decline into like Anakin Skywalker is dead. This is Darth Vader. Like, yeah, Anakin is. There's no questions there. Yeah, Anakin's no more. This is purely and simply Vader. And and you go, man. Oh well, and and just the 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 other thing too is you know how when he tells Padme of what he's done and all this sort of stuff, and the way she backs away from him, and, and you know essentially calls him a monster. Like just he's lost to rage. He like, and this is what we've been what's trying to be established throughout the entire um, prequel trilogy is like the Sith feeds on anger. The Sith is just feeds on hate. And at this point in time, like Anakin's wife, Padme, like she is the thing that he holds most true, uh, like true and dear. Yeah. And he is lashed out at her purely because of that Sith influence. Yeah, definitely. And I also think they're like at that point as well, um, when, you know, he's saying to Padme what, what he's done and you see that... I did it all of, for you, you know, like... Yeah, like, did it all for you, but you see that look of fear, which pretty much comes is synonymous with, in the later movies, when anyone says the name Darth Vader, you get that look of absolute fear and terror. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, indeed. And and like that that's the thing. When we finally get to that epic sort of lightsaber duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan, Anakin's a man with nothing to lose here. He knows he's put all of his chips on on, on the Sith side. Like that's about it. He's gone all in on black, basically. <laughs> Literally. And yeah, it's like he yeah, he's fighting was like, I've got nothing left to lose. I've got everything to prove. Mm. That and again, like he's doing it out of the good best goodest of intentions, wanting to save his wife, wanting to save his family, but it has yeah led him down to that sort of very dark, anger-filled uh, path, which after the duel leads us to the ultimate moment where we finally see suited Anakin mm. for the first well, time. Just, well, if you, we, seen before... it, if you're if you're watching in chronological order. It's the first time. <laughs> Before we get to that bit, the the just I don't know about you, but how gut wrenching is that when when Obi Wan just basically slices him limb from limb and leaves him to death? Just just him the screams of pain and the burning, and you're just like, oh man, like you effed up, you really effed up here, Anakin. Yeah, that was that was a real that was a real heart wrenching moment because he's just. Pretty much just Obi-Wan's just given up on Anakin. He knows he's beyond redemption. So he's hoping that, you know, he'll just slide into the lava and that'll be yeah. you know, the end of it. That'll um, be that, yeah. Uh, no, uh, actually, both of them sort of messed up. Yeah, yeah. A bit really. That, it, it, Obi-Wan did the old uh, Batman in the Dark Knight sort of thing. Where it's like, I don't, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> Now we get the Joker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but man, like the, the cool thing is like when you see the construction of Darth Vader, like first off the pain that the screams and the yelling of Anakin as he's literally having his human self turn into a machine. Yeah, just having all these robotics just painfully added, you know, put onto his body and then, you know, we see the ultimate, here comes the helmet. Mm. And you get that, that infamous uh, breathing mechanism. Yeah. Um, before we, before we, 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 while we talk about the scene, we have to touch on this. What did you think about the giant? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, God. That, to be honest, that, that scene could have done without it. It could have. It could have done. It could have done without it. Um, the no is basically, <laughs> you know, the same as when they re-released uh, Return of the Jedi in later years, and they put that sound they put that in, in, oh, yeah. in when he's lifting Palpatine up. Mm. But also, as well, like. It doesn't, it's, it's like McClunky. It doesn't need to be there. Mm, mm. It could have just done so much without it, even though there's well, still that little bit of Anakin in him. Mm. Sort of, he's well, crying out in that sort of anguish and disbelief. Like, like, no, oh. like, no, she was, oh, this was meant to save her. She was meant to be all right. And then when you see him essentially destroy the entire lab with the force, like, leave it at that. That's all good something that's underrated though in that scene 
Palpatine just sort of standing there, like grinning away, because he knows very well that Padme's alive. Like, yeah, he knows well, all this sort of stuff at, at that point, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I, I the no, the no, <laughs> that that that's a that's you know, it's a little bit on the side, you know. But but you can if this was a meal, you'd push that part aside and eat around it. Yeah, but that's that's the only downside I can take from that. Yeah, definitely. That's the only one. And then uh, I've I've got to actually sort of mention like um, the whole Padme losing the will to live. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, it doesn't quite sit right, does it? No, it just it doesn't sit right at all. Like, yeah, I get you know she's completely and utterly heartbroken that you know the man that she loves, her husband, has gone down this very dark dark path Anakin Skywalker is practically dead mm. and just yeah just the uh just kind of rubs the wrong way a little bit again it's like the the no it could have yeah been done without and, and look it, it's just it is just one of those little nitpicks there but hey look it, it, it's not it's not a it's not a big movie ruiner but it is one of those ones that you sort of like yeah, probably didn't need that bit. Yeah, that, that's what it is. It's not like you just build to this ultimate moment and then it just turns to car car mm. like that. It's just that, yeah, just a couple little sequences that just, yeah, didn't really need to be there. But when you do see the whole, the funeral procession, you feel the, uh, the impact of that loss. You can feel mm. like everyone's, gutted that and completely heartbroken that Padme is gone and we see how Luke and Leia end up. Mm -hmm. And Luke and another thing, another like part of that is it, look, if if a new hope wasn't already out, that'd be the biggest downer to end on. It's the worst. Like <laughs> talk about talk about leaving the cinema on a oh man, that was a that was a real buzzkill. It's all, it almost rivals, and don't, don't come up here in the comments, but it almost rivals the end of Empire because Empire is so dark towards the end that yeah. you're just like, well, well, great. We're all screwed now. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably why like you'll, you'll see like Revenge of the Sith and Empire sort of up there in those upper echelon because mm -hmm. they're so well done. Yes, they are incredibly dark movies. And they do bring you down to a bring you a bit a down a bit at the conclusion, but you know mm -hmm. that when the next movies come along, you back up again. It's, you back up. It's, yeah. like a, it's it's a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Also, one of the coolest scenes in um in that ending sequence is Palpatine and Darth Vader both watching the Death Star being constructed. Yeah, very cool. And that the perfect shot to end the uh, prequel trilogies on. You couldn't get a better mm. shot than that. Oh, hell yeah. So of your sort of overall grading, what would you give the prequels as a whole? We're not going to do individual movies. Look, as, as a, a whole, whole, if if we're giving the original trilogy, like I'm talking A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, if we're giving that an A, this at least has to get a B, a B plus. It's not perfect, but at the, uh, the, the thing that's really lets down all three 
movies is Attack of the Clones. That really brings the grade down. Like this isn't a super duper, this isn't going to be the same sort of thing. Uh, it's not the same iconic level as the original trilogy was because you can never replicate that. You can never replicate the originals. It's simple as that. It's sort of like in the same vein that like, you know, um, so the first WrestleMania, uh, the first three WrestleManias are iconic, but funnily enough, the second WrestleMania is always crapped on and no one ever talks about it. It's always the first yeah. and the third. The second one never just works out fine. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter the fact that it took place in three separate cities and, and the same night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always that. But look, actually, B's probably a bit too much. I'm going to say uh, if we take out, if we take out uh, Attack of the Clones, it's a definite B for, for the prequels. Attack of the Clones brings that down to a C plus. Yeah, look, I've got to agree with you on that because you look at the second the second movie of the original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back. That is without doubt, in my opinion, it takes up like, another notch. It does, and that is the abs- that is the best movie in the whole franchise. I know there's probably some furries out there that love the Ewoks. <laughs> All power to you. This is just my personal opinion. Don't come at mm. me. But, um, yeah, just Attack of the Clones is just, again, a real reversal to what Empire was. If you're looking at second chapters, and it does definitely bring it back down to, yeah, definitely a definite C plus from... from all in all, all in all, though, like, if you haven't, if, if you're one of the few people that maybe haven't seen the prequel trilogies, I strongly recommend you do it. However... And I know this is this is a kind of controversial take because because believe it or not there are people out there that but that haven't seen Star Wars and haven't seen uh, the any of the films. If you are going to enter the Star Wars universe, can I strongly suggest that you do it in the order the movies were released? You'll get a lot more out of it because you'll be able to pick up all the little cues and stuff like that. So don't start from Phantom Menace because you might. You can do that if you want. And I know people that have watched it like one, two, three, four, five, six, or like, because they'll have the argument of like, well, isn't that how you're meant to watch movies? Yes, but we're watching a story here. And the story starts with A New Hope and it, we sort of jump back and forth in the timeline. So if you haven't seen, well, if you haven't seen Star Wars, I don't know why you just watched me and Herb's talk an hour about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple of people. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, if, but if that is the case, then by all means, I strongly recommend start off with A New Hope and work your way back in the order it was released. Yeah, definitely. That is without doubt the best, the best way to do it. Like I know I'm one of the ones that's guilty of watching it in chronological order because I think it's mm-hmm. like just, it's a chapter of a, each movie is a chapter of a book. Yeah, but, but that know, doesn't work for you. But, that, middle, it, but Yeah, but it doesn't work for you because you've already seen it in the order it was <laughs> came out. So you can't do that unless we wipe your brain and then you go back and watch it once. It, that rule doesn't apply to you. Yeah, because like it doesn't apply to Ned either because like he's, yeah, exactly. he's the same thing. Like we, the, th- the three of us, we grew up with the original. The original trilogy, trilogy it's. Yeah, it's always sort of been that. We, we we had the original VHS. So when we think of the complete saga for a long time until 2000, and, until 1999, it was three movies. Yeah, that was it. It was just what was called Star Wars at the time. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't a new hope when it first came out. It was just Star Wars, mm. Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. But as 
or Revenge of the Jedi, as it was originally going to be called, for the uh, diehard uh, Star Wars sleuths. But um, mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith just sounds a lot better than Revenge of the Jedi, I think. So that yeah. works a lot better there. But, uh, dude, thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the Video Vault. It has been an absolute ton of fun. I can't wait to get you on again. Um, for you know the viewers or listeners, what is coming up on Grey Wolf Wrestling? Man, we've got some cool stuff in the pipeline. So Sam and I, we've got another edition of Reliving the War coming up. As Herb's mentioned very kindly too, I should point out, uh, we've got Spring Stampede, which is currently in the Grey Wolf Wrestling archives at the moment. But uh, we've got another In Your House coming your way. Sam and I are going to be watching that. I think it's one of the last In Your Houses before we just sort of go to pay-per-view names. So that's going to be pretty exciting to see. And very exclusive, I'll drop it here first on the video vault but ned and i are actually working on a tna podcast which we're called maximum impact that is coming to the gray wolf wrestling network as well but the best way to get in touch is to follow us on the socials at gray wolf ent so that should be pretty cool oh definitely very very hyped for the uh, maximum impact podcast and i'll put a link to the gray wolf social medias in the description below again thanks for hanging out in the vault nims looking forward to doing it again hell yeah man let's face it there's a lot more videos there's a lot more stuff that we need to get through so i look forward to it brother thanks for having me not a problem thanks very much This has been a presentation of GLH Production.